Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It is Friday, February 14th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. Bernie Sanders delegate Maggie Wonderly will join us, and it's the long-awaited return of the Illinois political know-it-alls Jacob Kaplan and Dan Pogoshelsky. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, <laughs> Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Out of Their Mind Friday, and here's why. First of all, happy Valentine's Day, D. All right. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too, happy Ben. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, P. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, man. It's happy Valentine's Day to absolutely everyone. It's not what I want to talk about. Ben, you're really sweet it. today. What can I say, man? Did you get any candy? No. Oh, did you get any candy? Not yet. Well, oh, I bought some CBD gummies. That is true. He bought some. I uh, maybe a little too much information for everybody, but since it was cold, I picked young Dennis up today. He came out of his house. He was like, hey, man, man, you got to try these gummies, man. <laughs> now we're crossing the too much information. He did not do that, okay? He just said, hey, man, I got these gummies. Anyway. That impression of me is getting better and better. <laughs> I want to get down to business, D. Enough, enough with this happy Valentine's Day talk. Too much happy Valentine's Day talk. Not really a big fan of Valentine's Day, by the way, D. Just going to put that out there. All, All right. right. Not a huge fan. Bah humbug. Okay, bah humbug. Anyway, get down to business. I want to tell you what's on my mind. I'm happy to say that there was something resembling a, how do I put this, fair as in fair and balanced uh, column in the New York Times about one Bernie Sanders. I've been talking about this for a while. The center swing of the Democratic Party has been waging war on Bernie for a while. The New York Times has taken up the charge. Guys, New York Times, let me just speak to you as a loyal reader, subscriber, holding up the, the paper with my subscription, which I've had for years. You're welcome. Uh, Tribune, too. You're welcome, even though your editorial board is out of its mind, too. But New York Times, let me just talk to you. You're supposedly the liberal paper. That's what everybody thinks of you as a liberal paper. Can't you find one columnist, one, one columnist in the whole freaking paper that'll say something nice about Bernie Sanders once in a while? I mean, he's supported by roughly what, D, 30 to 40% of the Democratic voters? He's got legions of young activists who are willing to go into the field, knock on doors, make phone calls, round up support for him. He's got the, he's brought enthusiasm and energy to the Democratic primary, to the Democratic party that's badly in need of it. It's so much cynicism and jaded sentiment out there. Everybody's gloom and doom. Oh, Trump's going to win. Oh, my God. I mean, you got these Bernie guys going out, Bernie men and women, I should say, knocking on doors, doing the hard work. And all these, like, New York Times columnists are sitting back in the comfort of their little offices going, oh, Bernie can't win. Of course he can't win. My friends, the centrists, told me he can't win. Over lunch, we had, like, martinis, whatever they drink. <laughs> 
They say Bernie can't win, man. Watch like, your hands on that table. Oh, sorry. I'm feeling my inner Sergio Mims. Uh, your inner karate kid. Yeah. So they say, you know, every column now list all the columnists. They basically write, keep writing the same column. Uh, Nicholas Kristoff, uh, David Brooks, Tom Friedman. Uh, Tim Egan, Michelle Goldberg. She's supposed to be the liberal, the real liberal there. She was another one writing, oh, Bernie can't win. Oh, Bernie can't win. Every time they say that, Bernie can't win. And they seem like they really don't like him. They don't like the people he brings to the party. It's like they want him to shut up, sit down, and vote for whoever they tell him to vote for, which at the moment is one Michael Bloomberg. That's correct. Thank you, Senator. Uh, oh, no, Mr. Mueller, excuse me. I mean, we're going to take you know, examine the Michael Bloomberg phenomenon in greater detail as the day uh, rolls on. I have a lot of thoughts on uh, Michael Bloomberg. A lot of people will be coming in the studio to discuss uh, Michael Bloomberg for the moment. But let's just put uh, Bloomberg aside. One of the, mo by the way, you talk about cynicism in politics. The notion that a Republican is now a Democrat, a man who has advocated almost every single program that the Democrats have rejected is now like rising in the polls simply because he's got gazillions of dollars to buy up unlimited TV ads and Facebook messages and Democrats everywhere. I mean, I hate to say it, folks. You're making Chicago look pretty good, Democrats everywhere. I always make fun of Chicago voters so dumb. They vote for Rob because he wore a sweater. Ugh, he's a nice guy. Man. Worked on me. <laughs> I like that sweater. But Democrats are even worse. I, Mike, I saw him on Facebook. I'll vote for, I'll just throw all my values out the window and vote for Michael Bloomberg because I saw his Facebook ad. At least we hide our corruption, you know, behind behind lies and stuff like that. As opposed to? Just paying people outright, saying, hey, in, in, Instagram influencer, I'll give you 150 bucks to say nice things about me on Instagram. It's what Bloomberg's yeah, doing. Yeah, did he, hasn't he dropped that campaign? Has he? But, by the way, like, that's another thing. You're right. Uh, say nice things about me on Instagram. Make funny memes about me. Put it out there. And it's like, oh, wow. I saw a funny meme about Michael Bloomberg. Who cares what he thinks about Stop and Frisk? I'm voting for him. <laughs> I know. I, I, I talk about Chicago voters, but Chicago voters, I want to apologize to you right now. Okay? You guys are freaking Socrates compared to the rest of the Democrats. <laughs> Already in South Carolina, voters with Biden, they were all loving Biden. You know? Yeah. Then they saw these great Bloomberg commercials. That's it. Sorry, Joe. Joe was a faithful wingman to Barack Obama for all those years. Supposedly he had the allegiance of black voters in the South because he was, you know, a loyal aide to, to uh, uh, Obama. Uh -uh. I saw Bloomberg on TV. I'm going to vote for Bloomberg. Same thing all over the place. New York Times columnists are trying to tell us Bloomberg's demand. <laughs> anyway, I'm supposed to talk about Bernie. So anyway, so Bernie's got this legion of voters. Dennis, I'm stealing these lines from Dennis. He talks about this all night. And so, I'm suing your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright infringement. By the way, joining us, Pat Whalen, for those uh, not watching uh, on the I, live stream. Didn't I already say that? I don't know. It may not be in the intro. I just wanted to make sure. Young Patrick Whalen, comedian. G'day. Writer, actor. And he's. I don't know why Ben likes Bernie so much. He only won two caucuses so far. Yeah, so. no, a caucus and a, uh, a caucus primary. and a half. Yeah, we won. No, he won a caucus uh, and a primary. There was it was actually a New Hampshire primary. Oh, anyway, New Hampshire. He's yeah, two for two. right. He's right. won. He's got won both of the. I should say elections that the Democrats have. There you go. He's won both of the elections that the Democrats have. He won the popular vote in Iowa, and he won the popular vote in New Hampshire, and he's still somehow or other one delegate down in the race. What is electability? What's another word for electability? Electability is we don't like the left of center views of Bernie Sanders, so we're going to concoct an argument that says he's unelectable, even though at the moment he's winning the election. So, and then, so... 
this is the New York Times. They've been harping on this, and they keep coming back to this point that there's photographs of Bernie Sanders uh, on his honeymoon in the oh, Soviet Union. Every God. single guy. I love this, man. I'm like, because I, I deal with millennials every day in my life, young Patrick Whalen. Everybody, I'm surrounded by millennials. They don't even know what the Soviet Union is, okay? Uh, right it's a, now. It's, it's, a, it's a club in uh, in Ukrainian village, isn't it? That is correct. That's what it is on Damon, right near Chicago Avenue. Nice. So they don't know what the Soviet Union is. Supposedly, they're going to be petrified once they see an ad uh, from Donald Trump saying that Bernie is uh, a communist somehow or other because he had his honeymoon in the seven U. by the way i just like to say this uh, right now donald trump has bought into the same conventional wisdom uh eric zorn wrote a very good column today chicago tribune talking about what how, up easy what did you say what up easy oh yeah easy my yeah, easy, god eric. get more sleep when you do this show please <laughs> hey come on i had two hours man uh anyway a good column about how uh, the the trumpsters in south carolina red, led by rush limbaugh have decided they're going to vote the republicans are going to vote in the democratic uh, primary for bernie because they think bernie would be easier to beat which is kind of a, so i guess conventional wisdom pervades both parties are subscribing to the same conventional wisdom i'd be a little suspicious of conventional wisdom in the face of all these volunteers who are going out people are committed to bernie sanders but uh uh whatever i i also find it a little interesting that the democrat Democrats, uh, like the uh, the New York Times writers, are so fearful of the Soviet Union. Donald Trump will call absolutely anybody who runs uh, on the Democratic Party a socialist. Uh, now, then the Democrats, then the standard response from uh, people of the centrist persuasion is that, well, yeah, but in Bernie's case, he really is. Like, as if that distinction matters to voters who are bombarded by ads that just say, uh, AOC, the, the, the socialist, has endorsed fill in the blank, whoever the the Democratic nominee is. So, guys, it's like a distinction without a meaning. You're trying to create uh, a fear that really is not existent. I don't think it's as you're exaggerating uh, a fear that you have in the in the back regions of your brain, because that was a prevailing view when you came of age. Maybe the world has changed. Donald Trump's best friend or one of his best friends is Vladimir Putin, who used to be the head of the KGB. I, and you know what? He's, he calls him mini Mike. He's, what, 5'8", I think? Who are you talking about? Uh, Trump. Trump Trump calls calls Bloomberg Mini Mike. Putin is 5'7". So does he call him Mini Poo? Uh, That's a good point, although I do believe, not getting in the weeds here, that Michael Bloomberg is actually 5'4". Just throwing that out there. One of the things I was doing when I was incapable of sleeping last night, Uh uh, aside from reading these really eerie, weird uh, short stories, I'll put that to the side. No one wants to hear about those short stories at the moment. I was obsessively reading articles on the Internet, which is a no-no because that really keeps you up, about Michael Bloomberg. Okay, I know awesome. I've like crammed for the test. I could tell you all kinds of. So I one of the things my uh, subs, what is it? Subspecies of expertise hmm. is Bloomberg's height because they've been going back and forth. There was like a Twitter war breaking out about over how tall Bloomberg was. At various times in his life, Bloomberg has said he's taller than he actually is. Right. He lied on his driver's license. Is that that was one of the things I saw did, about did. his height? Yeah, I think he said he was 5'8". At one time he, he joked, I think he was joking, he said he was 6'1". That's usually my joke. People go, Ben, how tall are you, 6'4"? I'm like, that's the truth. <laughs> They do. They do. They do that. Uh, but I think he's five foot four. You should run for president. Here, <laughs> <laughs> here. <laughs> yes. I, I'm six foot three. Wait, mm-hmm. they don't like Sanders. Where do they get a load of this guy? <laughs> the New York Times. Man, I went to bed at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> 
The worst part is not going to bed at 5 a.m. It's getting up at 7 a.m. That's mm. the worst part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the part that's no good. If you go to bed at 5 a.m. and get up at noon, hey, what's the problem? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, 5 to 7. Uh, anyway, uh, I should stop picking on the New York Times because they're not as bad uh, as, uh, what is it called, D? MSNBC. Ooh. Now, I don't, okay, confession time here. Uh, I'm not a big TV watcher, so I don't watch MSNBC. I just always assume MSC where the liberals were, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, that's I the liberal too. station. Is that not, that's not the case? No, no. It's, I just, <laughs> it was Dennis, young Dennis, who goes, who's, by the way, people don't realize this about Dennis. He does a great imitation of Chris Matthews. Did you know that? <laughs> of Chris Matthews? Yes. This was where I was going with this. Come on, D, do your Chris <laughs> Matthews. Great. Come on. I'm, I'm really running. I'm Chris Matthews. And you know what they're going to be. I just feel like Chris Matthews has a lot of run-on sentences, you know? That kind of, kind of sounds like a carnival barker or you something. Need, all right, you need the Boston accent. Young Dennis, take it away. Oh, you want me to do it? Yeah, of course. Uh, what I would say, hey, that Bernie Sanders, he's, a, he's crazy. Uh, give me a drink. Go. <laughs> it's Central really, Park, go. Got, it, he's heading into Bill Barr country. Burr. Burr. My bad. There you go. But, uh, two hours. Two hours. Uh, Bill Burr. But I always make that mistake anyway because William Barr is the attorney general. Bill Burr is a comedian. Now that's a podcast. <laughs> Burr and bar, burr and bar in a bar. Wow. That's good stuff. That's good. D. Hey, so uh, what's your stance on the Ukrainian investigation? <laughs> and that was kind of weird. Uh, and then no one could tell the difference between their accents. You got the, the clip to play? Yes, I do. Uh, yes, sir. Let's just listen to Crazy Chris. I've been meaning to talk about this for a while since Dennis notified me of this the other day. Uh, utterly in, insane person on uh, MSNBC. Uh, before we play that clip, uh, on the live stream chat, Bruce Bruce, no, Pat is not drinking a beer. Okay, here we go. I, I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back to uh, the early 1950s. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude towards Castro. I believe if Castro and the, and the, and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park, and I might have been one of the ones getting executed. And certain other people would be there cheering, okay? So I have a problem with people who took the other side. I don't know who Bernie Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by social. One week it's Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. That's that's basically a capitalist country with a lot of good social welfare programs. Denmark is harmless. Pretty clearly in the Denmark category, yeah. Are you sure? How do you know? Did he tell you that? Well, I mean, that's what he says, and that's what his agenda calls for, right? He's not calling for anything. Let's see. Let's see. Let's figure that one out. Well, we haven't seen a, a campaign yet. Where video of him praising the other version right. of Castro has been used. Well, but that's it a, will be used. That's a question We've of how, seen how that oh of how tender, what, what the effect that has. Well, what does he think of Castro? That's a great question. What did you think of Fidel Ismo? We all thought he was great when he first. I thought he was cheering like mad for him okay. when he first went in, and then he became a communist and started shooting okay. every one of his enemies. Okay. Oh. So, oh. All those thoughts wow. on Cuban revolution. I have to go back to the spin room and Democratic presidential candidate. All right, that's uh, Chris Matthews, and it was Chris Hayes. Uh, yep. Come on, Chris Hayes. you got to up that defense of uh, Bernie Sanders a little bit. Your partner on the set is a freaking lunatic. you got to know that, all right? So just, you know, I know he's insane, but you, you should st- stand up to him a little bit on this point. First of all, I mean, I could break this down so many which ways, any which way you want. There were no communists in the country killing anybody. The wars against communism were not fought on the United States. They were fought on other shores, on other countries. And there was a lot of communists being killed by American bombs, et cetera, and so forth. And by the way, 
Chris Matthews, I looked up his biography, just curious, was nowhere near a war at any time in his life. He was nowhere near the fight in communism. I'm not saying it's a great thing to have been in the war in communism. I'm just saying he acts as though, you know, he was Rambo with like guns and grenades and knives and going up into the hills of Cuba to do hand-to-hand combat with Castro. <laughs> he, wasn't doing, he was in the Peace Corps. Nothing against the Peace Corps. I have tremendous admiration for the Peace Corps. But he was like the last thing on the front lines in a war against communism. And so it's just unimaginable, this notion that like Castro was going to win, conquer the United States, little Cuba, off the coastline of Florida, was going to conquer the United States. And he was going to say, where's Chris where's Matthews? Where's Chris Matthews? 30-year-old Chris Matthews. I'm going to find him Find him first. Take him to, and take him to Central Park. Make an example of this Peace Corps guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't Utterly know. Utterly insane. Utterly insane. Red baiting by uh, MSNBC. Red baiting. Trying to like, yeah, red baiting doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, throwback. Po- again, one more time, folks. Putin, who's the head of the KGB, uh, during this time when supposedly the the communists were ready to line people up in in uh, Central Park and kill them, head of the KGB in the Cold War that Chris Matthews is talking about is an ally and friend of one Donald John Trump. So if you're going to red bait, go. You can red bait on Trump all you want. So I guess if if Mike Bloomberg does win, we're going to get a ton of red baiting commercials uh, linking Putin to Trump, right? Monroe Anderson, our guest every Wednesday, will love those commercials. But Chris Matthews has lost his freaking mind. And this is what I have to say about that. I thought MSNBC was the liberal station, but clearly, with liberals like that, we don't even need Fox. Great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here. We've got Ramana's rundown. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the do not hire list, among other things, with Romana. Maggie Wonderly will be here. Bernie Sanders, not just Maggie, a Maggie, Maggie, now Maggie. When, Ma- when Maggie comes in, she's going to be all modest. Oh, ben, no, I, I'm, I didn't put the slate together. The, the National Party did. Folks, let me tell you, Maggie Wonderly knows the rule book inside and out of what governs the process of uh, the nominating a, the presidential candidate to run against Donald John Trump. She knows it inside and out. Uh, and uh, so it's kind of interesting when they're sort of changing the rules a little bit to uh, benefit Michael Bloomberg. Uh, mm. See what Maggie Wonderly has to say about that. Uh, she's been going to meetings for the last four years. And of course, the political know-it-alls. Danny Pogoshelsky and Jacob Kaplan will be in to talk all things politics. So Patrick, it'll be politics. 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 Red baiting, a little red baiting in there. A little red baiting thrown in. Okay. And politics. And politics. Okay. But before we do that, you know what we're going to do? Tell me. We're going to turn things over to the young man from Alton, Illinois. Oh yeah. The man they call Dr. Doobie with the news. Politics? (laughs) In this economy? (laughs) Uh, How's it going, everybody? By the way, Pat Whalen, I realized uh, uh, watching that MSNBC video, kind of looked like Chris Hayes, dude. Me? Yeah. Who, me? Yes, yeah. he does. Yeah, he looked a little like Chris he does Hayes. Look Chris Hayes. Hey, Chris, take a stand. I will be the Hayes to someone's Matthews any day of the week. If you could put your face in that camera real quick and let, let the people see, uh, you know. Does, Should we make a poll about it? Chris Matthews, <laughs> yay, nay? I think so. Yeah. By the way, Patrick Whalen is the, the, <laughs> the genius behind our social media. People should know that. I, I am but a conduit, but <laughs> if you are interacting with Ben Jarofsky on Twitter, on Facebook, and soon Instagram, I have I have a hand in that. But all the content, I defer to these gentlemen. You know that they are the cooks in the kitchen that make the, the delicious sauce. I am but the, the ratatouille. A lot of people are sad right now. Oh, Ben's not handling the Instagram account anymore. No, you're getting taken off, dude. 
Give us the keys. They won't even let me do Twitter. Ben, don't. You failed tweet. <laughs> You're just bad. <laughs> I don't even know how to do Twitter. He don't. He knows. All right, time out. He knows. Do you think... I know uh, the young doctor from Alton wants to do the news, but yeah. I just have to ask you this. You're yeah. a Twitter expert. Mm-hmm. All right, you've been following uh, Donald John Trump for a while, and the Twitter I, war yeah, is exploding uh, between Michael Bloomberg and Donald John Trump, yeah. which is perhaps the most intriguing part of Michael Bloomberg's campaign, in my humble opinion. Yes. All right, so do you think Michael Bloomberg runs his Twitter account, or does he have someone, that, his own equivalent of Patrick Whalen doing the I think that it's not because he's too busy, but I think it's very similar to Trump. You know, the more I learn about this Michael Bloomberg fellow, Mm -hmm. the more that I see that people say that he is the blue Trump. And I think he's very similar to Trump in the regard that there are probably firewalls of people whose singular job it is to keep him from tweeting things. Oh, to keep him from tweeting things. Yes. So you don't think he's... Wait, time out. You don't think so that that tweet that went out yesterday uh, from Bloomberg talking about how uh, Donald Trump, he he knows the social circles that Donald Trump runs in in New York City. And he could tell you, Donald Trump, that they all laugh at you because you're a freaking failure. Do you think he, Michael Bloomberg, wrote that or do you think he had an aide who wrote that? I think that it was probably his idea, but I don't think that, you know, does he do his own dishes? You know what I mean? Like, where where does it end? But don't you think Donald Trump does his own tweets? Uh, I think that he can do his own tweets, but I think increasingly there are people whose job it is to make sure that he's sticking to campaign. You know, we have an election to win, Mm -hmm. sir. You know, I think that's the only thing that they can hold in front of them and say, let's take a breath and think about this before we send it out to the entire planet. Well, he they're not doing a good job of getting him to take a breath. No, they're not. Uh, his stuff that he uh, tweeted out about the Roger Stone case was really, uh, it was so over the top. Now, Barr, we haven't even talked about that. Barr well, says, I don't know. I, I think that that fits in. You know, there was this picture years ago of Steve Bannon standing in front of a whiteboard. And you can Google this, folks, but there is a just Google Steve Bannon whiteboard. And it was when he worked in the White House. He had an office in the White House. And there were all this lists and lists and lists of topics mm-hmm. behind. And they were red meat for the base issues. They know what they're doing. And when he tweets out stuff about Barr and how, uh, you know, the, the stone case is, you know, polluted and all that. I, I, so let me be clear. I think that there are people whose job it is to monitor his tweets, but I don't think they're saying, oh, that's not very presidential, sir. I think they're saying, very good, sir. Jake in Alabama will love this tweet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jake in Alabama. All right. Speaking of Jake in Alabama, uh, Dr. D and Alton with the news. For the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's <laughs> happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Not Jake. Not a doctor. <laughs> Name's Dennis. (laughs) It's a very frigid and frozen Friday, and it looks like both our Illinois governor and our Chicago mayor began their days by taking it easy and playing it safe by doing what they have loved to do most since taking office. Governor J.B. Pritzker's at the Thompson Center. He's always at the Thompson Center. He's there to discuss successful government efficiencies with state agency leaders. And Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is speaking at a city club (laughs) luncheon. Can't say I blame her. No sense in overworking yourself in this drastic weather. She loves luncheons, everybody. Later on, Lori Lightfoot will be at the Union League Club and Ben, prepare to be jealous. She'll be attending the NBA's Building Bridges Through Basketball event at the Union League's Boys and Girls Club. Ben Jarofsky, time to put you in the hot seat. During uh, her mayoral election campaign, we learned that Mayor Lori Lightfoot is a fan of basketball. Apparently, she played point guard Ben Jarofsky. 
Who is Lori Lightfoot's favorite basketball player? Oh, no question. Ramana Hussein. Oh, all right. <laughs> Ron Hussein back in the day at Niles West was a ferocious point guard, great on defense, and could hit the outside shot. Uh, but her second favorite after Ramana Hussein, well, she was a point guard, so I'm going to go with point guard. I'm going to say uh, that Lori Lightfoot's favorite player is Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Live stream chat, weigh in. Who is Lori Lightfoot's favorite basketball player? We'll try to read your comments before the show ends, at least. Yes, the National Basketball Association is in town for their All-Star Weekend. Superstars of professional basketball's past, present, and future, along with several hoops junkies, are arriving in Chicago from all throughout the nation as we speak. And Ben, prepare to be really jealous because former president and apparent NBA fanatic number 44, Barack Obama, is getting (laughs) uh, getting in on the festivities. Officials with the Obama Foundation have announced that on Saturday, Obama is scheduled to sit in on a conversation for what is being called, quote, a fireside chat with three of the league's biggest stars, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Took me like three years to learn how to say that one. A forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. Kevin Love, a power forward for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Chris Paul, a point guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, Obama's in town. Mm -hmm. Now, it's funny because an interesting event took place a couple of days back. As any Chicago political nerd will tell you, like Ben, the Barack Obama Presidential Center will be uh, coming to the city soon. It will be in Woodlawn. It'll be a gigantic, fancy, ugly building. (laughs) Kind of looks like a Glade plug-in. But the residents of Woodlawn, (laughs) the residents of Woodlawn aren't new. They know how the city works. Anytime a big, fancy, ugly building comes to the neighborhood, really rich people start moving in, leaving the people who have always lived there worried about the G word. All together now, gentrification. That's correct. All right, about a dozen Chicago residents staged a sit-in outside Mayor Lightfoot's City Hall office on Tuesday afternoon, demanding a meeting to discuss preserving affordable housing near the site of the proposed Obama Presidential Center. Protesters chanted, Mama, Mama, can't you see what displacements done to me? Mm-hmm. Ben Jarofsky, do you think our 44th President Obama Mama has seen what displacement has done to them? Is he aware of uh, what went down on Tuesday? Uh, I believe he is aware of what went down on Tuesday. Absolutely. I'm sure he's kept abreast of all these things. And uh, from our conversation with uh, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor from last week, she was in the studio talking about this. At the moment, he's not prepared to make any sort of uh, a compromise uh, with the community on the community benefits agreement by putting in some kind of a protection to help people who live in the neighborhood or low income or moderate income from rising rents or rising property taxes. Uh, let's face it, folks, uh, this gets to the socialism issue. When it's poor people in the face of developers, there's no such thing as government coming to their aid. It's like, sorry, we are in a free market society. But it's when it's wealthy people whose interests have to be protected. Like, let's say in 2008, when the mar- markets crashed. Oh, well, where's the safety net when we, we, we really need it? So socialism for the rich, free market for the poor. By the way, there's also socialism in the NBA. As long as we're mentioning the NBA, National Basketball Association. I don't know if you know this, D, but they have rules that protect the interest of the owners. There's a certain there's a cap on the amount of salaries that any player uh, that, 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 that the owners can pay pay their players. If you exceed the cap, you have to pay a fine. I don't know if you know that, D. If that's not intervention in the marketplace, I don't know what is. So again, it's can be, socialism exists for to protect the interests of wealthy people, but when it comes to everyday Joes, like you, me, Pat, and Romana, eh, it's a free market world. 
All right, and finally, our last uh, piece of local news here, then we'll get to the Ramana rundown. Uh, looks like 2020 presidential candidate, the guy Ben's been talking about for about 15 minutes, Bernie Sanders made an endorsement. No, guys, he didn't endorse Chris Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Sanders has endorsed Cook County State's attorney incumbent, Kim Fox. Here's the quote from Bernie Sanders. Now is the moment to fundamentally <laughs> transform our racist and broken criminal justice system by ending mass incarceration. <laughs> Uh, that was I'm so um, I, I thought Bernie had just come into the studio I with know. Him. <laughs> it was uh, Dennis the Good. whole time yes uh, we'll be talking with Romana about the Kim Fox the latest chapter in Smollett Gate etc and so forth I'm sure Bernie didn't mention Smollett Gate uh, in his endorsement but no. I'm with him I've I've decided at the moment I'm going to vote uh, for Kim Fox because I don't I agree with the Chicago Sun-Times editorial. I thought, you know, I'm always, I tease the Sun-Times when I disagree with their editorials. But in this particular one, when I take a look at the full record of Kim Fox, I think uh, the Smollett Gate, as entertaining as a topic it is for Ramana and myself to talk about, or for myself and Andy Grimm to talk about, uh, I, and I cannot stop talking about it. Uh, I do not think it's the most significant thing in uh, Kim Fox's career, and I think she warrants a vote because she's changing people's attitude about criminal justice in Cook County. So I'm with Bernie on that one. Call me crazy, but after your interview, I'm sort of sliding in the DM. Donna Moore. He's a huge Donna Moore fan. <laughs> he does not get that reference a lot. Fran, Fran Spielman, uh, right here in this DM. very studio. He yeah. The DM, uh, yeah. Um, Do you know what that means? Uh, DM, DM, drunken motorist. Uh, DMV. Uh, direct message. Uh, if I may, yeah. Oh, yes. direct message. Direct message. That's our, uh, our, our social media guy. Social media. Um, so, yeah. So it's I, the future. Fran Spielman did the interview with Donna Moore uh, in this very studio, and ever since that, Dennis has been doing uh, cartwheels for Donna Moore, <laughs> Romana. Uh, uh, and uh, is that a Donna Moore Donna Moore t-shirt? And that either. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh no, oh no. yeah. What did you ask me, Ben? Is that a Donna Moore t-shirt you're wearing? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> All right, let's see if Romana can answer this question for ten trivia points. Romana Zane, what high school did Donna Moore go to? Oh, that I won't know. I'll tell yeah, you. You're what. normal. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wouldn't know. Evanston I don't know where, High School. Oh, did she? Oh, okay. Did yeah. she go to high school with you? No, she's younger than me. Everybody's okay. younger than me. All right. Uh, All right. Well, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Real quick, Kyle weighed in uh, on uh, Lori Lightfoot's favorite basketball player, NBA player. Kyle says, uh, well, who is an NBA player who holds grudges? A dirty player, maybe. Kurt Rambis is Lightfoot's favorite <laughs> player. Kurt Rambis holding grudges. Yes, Kurt Rambis. Power forward for which team, D? Los Angeles Lakers. Very good, young man. All right, everybody, don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarofsky Show will be right back. It's this week's Romana Rundown. Don't go anywhere. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. Chicago. Land Cremation Options 
Com. But we got to get down to business. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Every Friday, it's Romana Rundown. Romana Hussein, editor for the Chicago Sun-Times. We have a whole list of things we're going to get to. Romana, are you ready to rock and roll? Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, do not hire. I was obsessed with this story yesterday. It broke in the Chicago Sun-Times. France Bimmel, let's give her a shout out. Uh, front page news in the Sun-Times with the headline. Uh, what was the headline? Uh, hold your, your hire. Ho- no, hold your hire. Yeah. Hold the Sun-Times. <laughs> headline writers. I'm telling you, I tell those guys all the time that they need to be in your show. The only uh, way they're going to come on is if you lead them literally in I know. here. Next time you're around here, just, just show up in the newsroom and I'll, I'll, I'll bring them to you all right we'll bring them on they'll be like uh, hubba, hubba. <laughs> these guys are ferocious when it comes to writing headlines but apparently they don't like to talk too much anyway great headline hold your hire uh lori lightfoot i i already gave my uh, view on this I, i'm a uh, i'm not a fan to put it mildly of do not hire lists but in this particular case the do not hire list had included uh, eddie johnson and uh, was Bill McCaffrey, the former uh, press secretary yeah. for the uh, law department. And it just seemed really nasty uh, and not petty and unnecessary. What are your thoughts about all this? Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought the Eddie Johnson, that made more sense to me. I'm just saying for someone, you know, looking outside and knowing what I know or what has been reported, Eddie, Eddie Johnson being put on the do not hire list. I could see that, and uh, I don't know. I'm not going to give my opinion whether or not I think it's right, but the Bill McCaffrey one is more of a head-scratcher because he kind of left abruptly. I mean, there were some sort of um, ethical issues that he raised or questions about ethical issues that he raised, and then he got fired. And so it's interesting why he's placed on this do-not-hire list because from what I know, I mean, people – have been pretty like they've praised him mm-hmm. you know for being pretty fair when he talks about the city i don't know i i haven't dealt with him in a long time because i'm not a reporter but um most people that i know who cover politics said that he's always been professional and you know got back to them and gave him information so i think that's kind of interesting but i don't know um have i've never seen a do not hire list from the city so i'm wondering if past superintendents who you know had been fired or you know left on you know i guess not so great terms if they were ever put on such a list and i, I don't know if you know read Fran, i'm you read Fran's story as you told me this is a foyer request that she made there's 29 pages of people there's about 689 names and i think 100 names were added since Lori lightfoot took office it'd be interesting to know how many have been put on a list since another mayor, you know, took office or, you know, is a hundred a normal number. Mm-hmm. So um, those are the two. I, I remember when we talked about this at uh, the editor, um, the afternoon news meeting the day before this came out in the paper. And I actually asked, I'm like, who else is on there? And, you know, there's obviously names on there that you see. Um, I think Jason Van Dyke has, was on there and the other officer um, involved in the Quintuno Legrier. Why am I blanking on his name at this point? Rialmo. Rialmo, yeah. Um, so Rialmo was on there too. Um, so, but these two names obviously being fired recently in December were things that popped out for Fran. Mm. Well, so. I... I uh... <laughs> you, you raise a good point. I don't know, like, for instance, Gary McCarthy. 
Yeah, uh, Gary McCarthy gonna... was the, was the police chief uh, that was that Rom fired threw under the bus uh, when somebody had to take the hit for the Quan McDonald video. Uh, Rom was you know it was his administration that kept it from the public view, but uh, they blamed it all on McCarthy, threw him under the bus. Uh, and um, so is he on a do not hire list? Yeah, uh, is Jody Weiss on a do not hire list? I, I was just curious, like how it works. But it's you know the, the bizarre thing. Why even have? There's no way anybody's going to hire Eddie, Eddie Johnson. Johnson. Okay, he he was humiliated already with all the headlines and all the stories about his personal life. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, very public denunciation of him. He was drummed out, sent out of the city, you know, let go. And so, like, what do you, like, who's going to hire him? I guess it's like a final nail in the coffin, yeah. right? It's kind of like another, here's a little twist, it's like a knife. Yeah, a little like knife. Twist. It's like, you know. Yeah, and then the kid, McCaffrey, who I don't know, because... I've I've never I've never met him. I've never, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever him. met him face to face, but I've talked to him. That's ridiculous. You know, that's the one. That's the story that really gets to me because that's the one uh, where he was fired uh, when the story emerged that Lori Lightfoot's corporation counsel, uh, Flessner, actually lived in Naperville and voted Republican primary in 2018. That's the part of the story I will never let go of. Ramana Hussein, the guy voted in the Republican primary in 2018. That meant he had to vote for either Rauner or Jeannie Ives. Just yeah. think about that for a moment. Yeah, and uh, so I think I think most people would say Eddie Johnson they can understand, and if people re- remember, he allegedly lied about where he was um and he was out at a bar with the another woman that wasn't his wife and his car was idling outside his house and there's all these questions and that investigation is still pending Mm -hmm. if you know the inspector general the city inspector general still doing the investigation but apparently he lied to Lori lightfoot allegedly that's what she says that's what she said yeah we don't we yeah we don't know exactly what happened but i would think that on the face of it a lot of people would be like okay i can understand eddie johnson being placed on this list but i think a lot of people would would say they don't get bill mccaffrey and why he's placed on the list that is such a chicago attitude first of all accepting the do not hire list (laughs) you know what i mean well i'll cut my difference i'll let mccaffrey be on the do not uh, uh, johnson okay because you know i'm just saying that it we know more or you know we know more about the allegations in the johnson case and we do obviously know about a little bit about the mccaffrey case case but it was kind of i don't know if you remember when it happened i we saw i remember being home and seeing one tweet about it it was just one tweet like one news reporter knew about it. i think it was a television reporter and like nobody else knew about it. it was late at night and i sent that tweet to the city desk and very few people knew it was just so didn't make any sense it just came out of nowhere and it was like a, i think it was a friday night i could be wrong but it was it was in the night when it came out yeah. And so it it was a little different than the way Eddie Johnson, you know, there's like a huge news conference with Eddie Johnson. And I'm just saying like on the face of it, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not making any judgment, but I'm saying a lot of people would say that they could understand Eddie Johnson, given the ire that she showed, that Lori Lightfoot showed. And, you know, the this whole like dog and pony show with Bill McCaffrey, it was one reporter reporting this like at 10 o'clock at night. And I, I just remember it being on a, it was a random, nobody else picked up on her or couldn't confirm it. Yeah. And it could have been a Friday night because I remember sending it at the city desk and we didn't get it till like Saturday, I think, or at least a couple hours later. Yeah, no, I, it was sort of a, in the middle of the night. By the way, they're going to put Dennis on the do not hire list if he keeps saying those snarky things about. Uh, I think I'm on it. <laughs> Milwaukee, <laughs> here I come. He's on the do not hire list. We're probably all on it. Uh, we're all on that. Maggie Wonderly's not on that do not hire list. That's for sure. Our, our next guest is uh, comfortably 
lovely seat here. We're going to bring her on in about a half an hour or so. All right. Uh, speaking of ongoing investigations, uh, Ramana and I have been discussing Smollett Gate from the yes. moment it broke. Uh, and latest twist and turn in this ongoing saga, Romana. Well, the latest is that, do you remember the retired judge, Sheila O'Brien? Oh, yeah. She is the one yeah. that she is the mm-hmm. one that pushed and kept filing motions and asked for a special prosecutor in the matter and how um, in, in how the Jesse Smollett case was handled by the state's attorney's office, the Cook County state's attorney's office. Now, as we all know, Jesse Smollett was charged with disorderly conduct for filing a false police report, allegedly filing a false police report. He goes into court and the charges are dropped a couple of days later. No explanation he gets off, doesn't have to admit his guilt. So obviously there's a lot of questions. It caused a firestorm of controversy. Kim Fox, you know, she's, you know, for her uh, elections, you know, her the her opponents, that's the lead thing that they're always bringing up. Mm-hmm. Jesse Smollett, Jesse Smollett. So we're still hearing this name. And anyway, uh, they, the police said that he had faked a hate crime against himself. He's, he asked these two men that he knew to pretend like they were attacking him and then he pointed out that he was attacked by um, race by somebody who was making racist and um, homophobic comments at him. Anyway, so uh, fast forward Tuesday, um, you know, there's there's so the judge, Sheila O'Brien, who kept pushing for this, a judge finally granted in August that a special prosecutor would be hired. That's Dan Webb, Mm -hmm. former U.S. prosecutor. And uh, Dan Webb on Tuesday announced that Justice Smollett is charged again. I believe it was six counts of disorderly conduct, if I'm not incorrect. Anyway, so Jesse Smollett's going to be back in court in fe- late February, just so letting you know, February 24th, I think, his, he's going to be back in court. He's going to come back to Chicago. He's not done. So now that case is pending, and the special prosecutor still looking into it. So today the special prosecutor case was back in front of Judge Michael Tuman, and she, he told Sheila O'Brien, basically, this is now... This, like I said, there's a lot of names being thrown oh, yeah. around here. Sheila names, O'Brien yeah. is like again the judge who, former you know, judge, former yeah. judge, retired judge who came and kept pestering, you know, the judges at 26 in California, or at least the chief judge, to hire like a special prosecutor, and then this special judge was appointed. And so today, Judge Tuman told Sheila O'Brien. She has to stop filing motions in this case. That's wild, man. Stop it already. <laughs> stop it. Because she, her recent filings, uh, he said that basically she provided a service by pushing for this, but he said basically her services are no longer needed. She had, in her latest um, set of motions, she had asked, uh, said that it was wrong for Kim Fox to hire private attorneys to deal with this case. And Dan Webb actually said he had no problem with her hiring a private um private attorneys because they said that there's a lot of files and you know thousands of pages of documents to go through so it's kind of a normal thing so Sheila O'Brien was objecting to Kim Fox hiring you know her office hiring like uh, other attorneys Mm -hmm. and she also has a a private attorney that you know who represents her he was in court today and he's he's doing it pro bono so that was the latest in the case wait who has a private attorney Kim Fox does yeah a Washington DC based attorney representing her Mm -hmm. and apparently he's doing the work pro bono so that's the latest Basically, the judge telling Sheila O'Brien, "Okay, thanks for your service. Now, if you want to file a motion in the in the future, you're basically barred from doing it unless you get permission." So that's the latest. Um, you know, it's like it's it's kind of inside baseball, but you know, it's every time the Smollett case comes up, we are doing a story on it. So I actually edited that story as soon as I came in. Well, like I said, today. it's irresistible, and I'm I've split 
mind on this one. Uh, it's an irresistible story for all the reasons you just cited, all the names, all the personalities, all the politicking, the celebrity angle, uh, the, the ludicrous story itself, the fact that it's uh, it's become fodder for comedians. Uh, yeah. David Chappelle's bit about it is hilarious. Uh, it's so it, for all that reasons, it's irresistible. Then the other part of me says, when I think of all the issues facing criminal justice in Cook County in the city of Chicago, I mean, this is this is this is like a sideshow. If you follow what I'm saying, an interesting, fun to watch sideshow. It could be a sideshow, but it also, I think, like I've I've said before, I think it's good to raise questions as to what happened. You know, would you do this if um, I don't know? I think you know, there's there's definitely some people who I've talked to who think that this is like. We shouldn't even be talking about the Jesse Smollett case, but I don't think it has to do with, I think a lot of people who would argue otherwise would say that it's not necessarily about Jesse Smollett. It's about how the office handled the case and celebrity or, you know, pull from politicians or, you know, how, how it works. So I think it's a question of how the office operated in this case. So I think there are good questions. I think people would say there's people on both sides who like at the extreme, you know, there's definitely some people who, are taking it to another level. And then, you know, so, you know, in terms of telling Kim Fox that, you know, this is like the worst thing that ever happened. And a lot of people said, well, is this the only thing you kind of look at, like, as you mentioned, you have to look at her entire, you know, status or entire, like, you know, work as a state's attorney since she came in. Well, so I think, it'll, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, she got Bernie Sanders. She got Bernie Sanders support. Support and a lot of, and I think she's getting Tammy Duckworth's endorsement today. Mm. So, you know. And Lori Lightfoot's. And Lori Lightfoot's endorsement. So. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. So the question is uh, whether or not this is really going to be that damaging. Yeah. And uh, and also she has the Chicago Sun-Times editorial support. Yeah, we I've supported ur- her. Uh, I've urged everybody. I mean, to re- I should say the editorial, editorial board, board. I will not say we. The new the, the views and opinions of the editorial <laughs> board do not necessarily reflect those of Ramana Hussein. That's correct. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, let's not get that twisted. Uh, but you saw uh, you saw the Mark Conkle patch piece, right? I he, did not see Mark Conkle, who used piece. to work at the Sun Times, wrote a piece about how our investors gave seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to Kim Fox. So there's some going back and forth with some editorial writers and Mark Conkle. I can tell you that much. Like, oh, I did not know so Mark Conkle weighed in. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a link. At one point in my life, Mark Conkle was my boss. That's he, a whole interesting <laughs> chapter in the history of the Chicago. I'm telling reader. you, everybody knows everyone. <laughs> I met him once. Only met Mark Conkle once. Big fella, as I know like him to pretty call him. Uh, and uh, Mark Conkle, yes, indeed. Boy, let's put that one. I on remember that mind. guy. Yeah, you remember Big Fella? Yeah, you had the story about the one time. No, I'm not going to do it. Uh, Mark Conkle. Yeah, we. I'll send you the link. He, 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 I didn't know you guys had dinner together. I Mark Conkle. Yeah. Well, you know, and he became the boss. He wanted to meet me, so I said, "All right, get down here." That's kind of how he was. You know, he's like Lou Grant. You ever see Lou Grant? You know, ah, barking stuff out because I'm Mark Conkle. Was that Ooh, in the, was he hang tight? Was Lou Grant in the Mary Tyler show or yeah. was he in a different show? I'm looking at Maggie. Do you know who Lou Grant is? No? Okay. I'll tell you what though, she knows everything to know about the delegate selection process in the state of Illinois. Forget that, millennials. I did not even mention Lou Grant. Even Mark Conkle's like, who's Lou Grant? Rough. Mark Conkle. <laughs> uh, I ate a lot. Of biscuits today. Anyway, Mark Conkle. What a dinner night that was. I will send you the link to his article. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to reading more Mark Conkle. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, no, Smollett Gate. I can't. I, I have to, again, 
I think, like I said, uh, Romana, I think you're correct when you say it's a worth, definitely worth uh, discussing. If you want to hear a different view of a, a Smolecki than you might hear from a Mark Conkle, uh, you should definitely check out the Delmarie Cobb uh, interview we did. But boy, did she uh, go to town uh, on the whole issue, her attitude about uh, Delmarie um, Del Cobb, about uh, what the media and uh, Kim Fox and Smolecki, interesting stuff. Uh, all right. Um, wow. My worlds came together. Uh, Larry David and uh, we were uh, Donald Trump and Michael Bloomberg. A tweet war has broken out, uh, Bloomberg and Trump. And uh, they, Larry David got thrown into this as well. Uh, Ramada, help us make sense of all what's going on here. With the Larry David? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I told you about that episode with the MAGA hat. Yes, you did. And I laughed about it, and I was expecting Donald Trump to tweet about it, but I didn't know he was going to tweet what he did this week. Uh, so he basically tweeted part of the show. Remember I told you there was a biker in 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 the episode where he like uh i think larry david cut him off or you know they were just kind of driving and there's it, it was gonna it looks like it was gonna be some confrontation so the guy the motor the bike the bike the biker pulls up to larry david and he like quickly puts on the maga hat and mm -hmm. then the guy's like oh then it's you know his tone kind of changed yeah he's like yeah. be more careful you should be more careful next time so he was a trump supporter it's an insinuating so larry david's using the maga hat basically mostly in hollywood to repel people so they don't come near him or want to do deals or shows with him or you know any projects so it's a way to kind of keep people away from him so anyway donald trump tweets that incident with the biker and he said tough guys for uh trump or something and then everybody just started like tweeting him and saying did he see the whole episode did he see does he know why it was, so it was it was it was kind of funny because just the day before i think um larry david was on a show and somebody asked him like about that episode and said don't you think you're alienating Trump supporters and Larry David's like I don't give a f. Yeah, he, you can alienate yourselves. That's totally fine. So it was funny. It just happened like one or two days before, and I just I didn't even know that about Donald Trump's tweet. I just came into work and I saw Larry David was trending on Twitter. You know what trending means, yes, right? Yes, I do. Okay, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm really hip. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, since you know. Don't send him any DMs. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I saw that trending, I was like. Oh, I wonder why it's trending, and then I saw why. So it was definitely, it definitely cracked me up and reminded me of the episode again. Are you watching? I know you're 20 years behind, but. I am 10 years behind. 20, 20. The first yes. episode came oh in 2000. Oh my God, it's 20 years. Oh, yeah. even more pathetic. Yeah. yeah. I just watched one the other night. Oh my God, I know nobody wants to hear me. It was so funny. All right, a, year one, so there was a wire in the back of Larry David's yard. Follow me on this one, okay? Following. I love telling this episode. I'm like going up to people. Did you see the episode about Larry David with the wire? Uh, and they go, what year was that? 20 and 2000. So there's a wire in his backyard. To get rid of the wire, follow me on this, Romana, he's got to get permission of his neighbor. All right. So he brings the neighbor over. <laughs> the neighbor's a lawyer, real yeah. sleazy guy. Brings the neighbor over and he shows him the wire. And the neighbor says, 
yeah, that wire is really ugly. I'd like to help you with that. Uh, but you know, I I've always wanted to meet Julia Louise Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah, the guy forces blackmails Larry David into bringing Julia Louise Dreyfus over to the neighbor's house. Anyway, it goes from there. Yeah, and Julia, Louise, and she's funny. She's always everybody's always mad at Larry. That's part of the love of my can recognize that in my own life. And uh, so they're always mad at Larry. Just, Larry, I don't have any time to do this. I just have a few minutes. Come on, help me out. Yeah, Jason Alexander. Uh, I think he has a cameo in it too, once once or twice. Yeah, no, they, they bring back the Seinfeld. Yeah, anyway, they have. They, it's it's really funny. Uh, I can't believe you never watched it. Well, okay, as I explained, because you're a little more hip than other people. Uh yeah. Well, wait, you just said I don't know what trending means. No, but, but in terms of shows and pop culture, right, you're a little on top of this. things. Let me say this. I don't. Uh, I don't have what is it HBO, so I can't watch it there. But uh, as young Dennis can tell you, I get very obsessive about watching YouTube clips. Okay, I can spend hours watching YouTube clips, and so I've watched lots of Larry David on YouTube. Okay, but so you I've know never seen clips, an yeah. entire show. And now I, you know, because out of nowhere, uh, Prime brought back Year One. I've been watching. Oh, good! Full You'll shows. catch up. No, I by I, ten in ten years, you'll catch up. I still gotta get HBO <laughs> unless somebody. <laughs> Let's me uh, share their number. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, I, <laughs> you know, my husband us. thinks it's really weird, but Indian people, we all like, there's so many, I grew up with so many people. I have so many friends, Indian friends. We all share passwords. Well, you know, I'm joining. So the crew, I, I'm okay? saying you can be part of our, I'll be our the share. honorary Indian person on the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to give a shout out before you go. Evan Moore, who's been on the show before, wrote an excellent article in the Chicago Sun-Times. I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, there's so much gloom and doom in the newspaper today. Dennis and I always make the decision, Ramana, like these horrific murder stories, we kind of stay away from them because they're just, I don't know what to say. It's just more about the the depravity of man. But uh, Evan Moore, uh, excellent writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben Wilson's brothers forgive killer of prep basketball stars. Uh, you got to be, uh, Ben Wilson was a superstar high school yeah. basketball player at Simeon High School in the early 80s. I he actually was, know about him because like a couple years ago, my nephew, who's now 18 in college, but he was wanted to watch the docu- a 20. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, for 30. 30 for 30. Yeah, I was going to call it 20, 20, okay. but 30 for 30. <laughs> we all have our moments. <laughs> um, anyway, you know, sports is not my forte, but anyway, That's I remember true. you're a huge Cubs fan. I do, but I'm not like, I shouldn't be like stereotypical, but I'm not like a guy where I, all I do is talk about sports. Okay. I'm not like that. I'm like Ben. <laughs> My Wait husband, or music, <laughs> politics, and sports. Like, I that's all. I, I have so many other interests. I'm just saying. Maggie Wonderly, who's coming on next, we're going to do about a half an hour on the White Sox pitching staff. Get ready, Maggie Wonderly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I remember he wanted to, I think there was a 30 for 30 on this. So I remember watching yes, it. And, and it was, and, and so I do remember that, I do remember reading about, the, or learning about this case. And Ben Wilson was this, um, uh, high school basketball star and this guy bumps into him while he was having an argument with his girlfriend and then he ends up shooting mm-hmm. ben wilson and he was like this big star we talked about him anyway his uh brother his brothers basically make a, made amends with the guy's um ben wilson's killer mm-hmm. alleged killer william moore mm-hmm. um and so they, i guess they had a um kind of like a discussion where they talked about it the bro- i think one of the brothers anthony wilson according to evan's story um met with um, Mr. Moore, like three years ago, and I didn't know he was a cousin of Alderman David yes. Moore, which is did you know that? Together. Yes, I, I did know that because um, first of all, uh, the age difference. When Benji Wilson was killed, 
1984. Yeah, he was it, called Benji, right? Like yeah, it, yeah, everybody calls that, Benji. Yeah. It was huge story in Chicago. Was it, it a national story too? It was national, but it, 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 you know how, I mean, we're a very violent city, uh, but there, every now and then there's one particular murder or murders that is just so shocking and outrageous uh, and unexpected uh, and tragic, although all, all of them would be tragic, that it just yeah. overwhelms. It's kind of like the Dantrell Davis yes, case. That was correct. one of the ones when I was in college. And so every yeah. generation has its own. Yeah. And uh, when Benji Wilson was killed, I remember Harold Washington was the mayor. It was just a devastating moment because this guy had so much potential. He was entering his senior year of high school at Simeon. They were defending state champions. Uh, he was probably going to go to DePaul and carry on the tradition of Chicago players back then playing DePaul. It was just a horrific story. Like, how could this happen uh, in in Chicago? Anyway, and then when I saw, you know, folks, I urge everybody to read Evan Moore because it's really a story about forgiveness. If, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if it. I could either. A loved one, it'd just be really hard. Yeah. I mean, you always hear about those those cases, and someone's like, "Well, I forgive them," and maybe it just makes it easier to grieve. I don't know. I it just sounds so, just losing someone in like a violent way where it obviously could have been prevented. I just can't imagine. I, I, I mean, I've covered so many cases at 26 in California and, you know, you hear, you know, there's so many people you hear, it's, they're such sad stories and, you know, they're always reading victim impact statements at the sentencing of, you know, people who are accused or convicted of murder. And, you know, there are some people who say they forgive them. There's some people who don't, but I've seen it. I've seen people saying like, you know, I forgive you and I pray for you and, I just, I just find it really hard. I don't, I, I, I'm just trying to put myself in that shoes, those, those shoes. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that, but. I don't know if I could do it either. And it, and it really uh, requires like a, a, a tremendous reservoir of faith. Yeah. Uh, even religious faith or just faith in humanity. Yeah. Uh, that you can. Well, this guy, um, this guy seems like he's changed his life, William Moore. He works. You know, he actually does volunteer work for um, the Inner City Muslim Action Network, which is a, actually a great organization. I can only say that because I have friends who are on the board and I have friends who do volunteer work for them. So I, the organization's great. So they do a lot of they do a lot of programs where people who come out of prison, they try to reintegrate them into like, you know, with jobs and, you know, new, new lives. And so I know this organization pretty well. Yeah. In fact, I went to their f annual fundraising dinner, and Kim, guess who was the kid? Kim Fox. Kim Fox was the kid. I just, because you said the Kim part. Who, <laughs> she who was else? A, it all comes so together. So my friends are affiliated with that, so I thought that was kind of interesting that he's in this program. So it seems like he's he's trying to make amends. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I, I just don't know if I would forgive someone that quickly. All right, before we bring on the great Maggie Wonderly to take the deep dive uh, in national politics, I'm telling you, this woman knows more about the rules and regulations governing the process than anyone. She knows way more than Michael Bloomberg knows, that's for sure. Before we bring Maggie on. Oh, uh, we Ramana, didn't talk about Michael Bloomberg. We'll yes, talk about well, that next That time. will be there for next week. Michael Bloomberg. No pressure, Maggie. No it's pressure. Fine. No pressure, I, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to give you a quiz on all the rules. Uh, Romana, your, uh, what's Romana's recommendation for the weekend? I'm probably going to start Narcos. And um, I know my husband's pushing, Mick Dumkey's pushing for High Fidelity, the remake. Mm -hmm. um, 
I like Nick, Zoe Nick. Kravitz, but I told him I'm living with a music fanatic. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it that much anymore. I saw High Fidelity actually when it came out on my birthday. Mm-hmm. I, it was like fun. And then I was like, I told Mick, I'm like, I don't know if I could rewatch that living with you. Yeah, yeah like, there, there's a, I know Mick dear. He's, he's like, one of my dear friends. He's, like, he's got a little uh, uh, he talks Jack about Black music. in him. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, over. I like music too. I'm actually a music fan, but I'm like, I just can't talk about this all the time. Obsessively. I wish yeah. we would have booked a Valentine's Day special with Romana and Mick. Romana and Mick. Oh. Poor Mick. It's trash in the show I all the time. Tra- I don't trash him. No, I'm just, just saying, like, bit. oh, he'd probably trash me. I'm just saying that I have more interest in sports, music, and politics. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, they kind of they veer onto different things. Uh, anyway, I will be watching The Assistant, a scary movie. I love scary I do want to. I, do, I don't know if it's scary, it's more um, suspenseful. Telling. Yeah. of the Hollywood industry and Harvey that Weinstein. It came out last week. It came out last week. We'll it's that supposed to be really good. So good. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good. So anyway, that's what I got to look, to look forward to. Romana Hussein, thank you very much. She comes in every Friday at the Romana Rundown. Uh, Maggie Wonderly, we've been talking about her. Uh, Bernie Sanders delegate and uh, really knowledgeable person. How about that? About the rules and regulations governing the selection process. We'll be talking presidential politics, Bernie, Bloomberg, all that good stuff with Maggie Wonderly when we return. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jaromsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, you know we live stream this show, right? It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. 
Once again, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And when you join that YouTube channel, you can join the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat. Hang out with Michael, Jeff, Stephen, Jay Marie, Brianna, and more on the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat. They're a great bunch. Hour number two on the way. <laughs> 